Jeremiah chapter 50 tonight. Jeremiah chapter 50. Started panicking a little bit. I was looking at my looking at the scripture and looking at the text verse I had written down and it wasn't the right one and I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> I need the right verse, but I uh I forgot a one on there, so I found the right one, but Jeremiah chapter 50 and we're going to read verse 14. Says, put yourselves in array against Babylon round about, all ye that bend the bow, shoot at her, spare no arrows, for she hath sinned against the Lord. This might seem like kind of a strange text verse to use, but notice that phrase that he uses in there, spare no arrows. He's saying, when you go and I fight these people, these people are evil, they've sinned against the Lord. I don't want you to hold back at all. I want you to shoot at them. And don't spare your arrows. You know, don't conserve on those things. You know, it's like if you watch some of the movies, it seems like, you know, they always have unlimited bullets in their guns and just unlimited arrows no matter how many they shoot. And, uh, but you know, they, they were limited. So they had to be careful. Make sure that, you know, they used them wisely. Make sure that they, uh, hit whatever they shot at because they only had a, maybe a few or as many as they could carry. But in this battle, the Lord's just wanting them to go at it hard. And He makes that statement. Spare no arrows. And you know, many times in the Bible, the Lord compares uh, children to arrows. And today, tonight, the message I want to be preaching, it's about, it's a message about children and about raising kids. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. If we as Christians could just get our children to live for God and our children to get their children to live for God, we would be rapidly growing. You know, they say that Islam is the fastest growing religion, and I think probably one of the biggest reasons for that is they usually have a lot of kids, and their kids usually keep the same faith. And so, I mean, when you think about how many, uh, you know, how Christianity in some areas, and as Baptists, seems like sometimes we're shrinking, it's because we're not reaching our families, otherwise, we would be growing. Uh, we've been talking about, you know, sowing and reaping, and how, you know, when you plant seeds, uh, the goal is to, for it to multiply and for there to be more. And, you know, and you think about families, how they are sometimes, you know, in family reunions, how you'll have, start out with two people, but it can grow to sometimes hundreds of people. I know my grandma and grandpa McMurtry, um, the two of them had nine children. And with the nine children, I believe there was 35 grandkids. Not sure about that. My my grandma knew all this. You know, it seemed like every time I'd find out the number, it would change. But I think it was around 35 grandkids or so. And I remember the last time I remember asking her, and this is several years back, but she was up to, I believe, 39 great-grandkids. And by now, I know it's a lot more than that. And she's gone now. But I mean, the, fa- the McMurtry family is a huge family. On my mom's side of the family, uh, there was only two kids. She had... They had two daughters. Lester and Joanne Goad had two daughters. But my mom had five kids. And my mom's sister had eight kids. So they ended up had two kids, 13 grandkids. And I'm not even going to try to guess how many great grandkids they have now. There, there's a bunch. And whenever all that family gets together, there's a lot of them. Our family, it's growing. And we've got all kinds of families in churches today, but yet churches don't really seem to be growing. Like they should, and obviously we're losing out somewhere. We're losing our children, 
And the truth is, we're not reaching them. We've been successful, I believe, in getting professions of salvation out of them. We're pretty good about keeping them out of trouble uh, you know, during the teenage years, but our numbers still seem to be shrinking. And it seems like good churches, we talked about this this morning, are getting harder to find. And one of the reasons for that is because it's getting harder to find good pastors. It's harder to find missionaries these days and bus workers, Sunday school teachers, you know, just good faithful laymen and workers in churches. It's harder to find those things. I mean, it's sad how many churches today, uh, I mean, you have no idea just how valuable, you know, things like Sunday school teachers are and uh, nursery workers and, and the piano players. I mean, I know many churches today that sometimes good sized churches and they don't have anybody that can do that. And boy, I'm telling you, you know, we've had one or two services around here where we didn't have piano. And it makes a difference, doesn't it? And those things are, are important. And it's like, man, we need, we need more of these things. And sometimes it's easy to get to looking and thinking we're losing the battle against Satan and against the world. And I believe that part of the reason that we are losing is we're sparing our arrows. Many parents today, a lot of times, are scared to let go of their kids. They're scared to... It's like they want to keep them at home forever. They want to uh, just kind of hang on them, keep them close by. They're scared of the thought of them going off into the ministry or, or moving away anywhere. They're not, they don't want to use them to fight the devil. And that's what, we've got, that's what we need to do. And the Bible says in Psalms 127, verse 3, it says, "...lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward." As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with his en- the enemies in the gates. Notice it says, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. If you were back in those days and you're going up to battle against somebody with a bow and arrow, imagine if you see that guy and he's got a bow and he's got a quiver, but he doesn't have anything in it. Well, you're not going to be too scared of that guy. If he does, but that person that's got that full quiver, or maybe he's only got one. You're thinking, oh, he's only got one chance. And the, really, the more he has, the more of a threat he is, the more dangerous he is. And the Bible says, "Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of him. He'll he'll not be ashamed." Today, people have this attitude of people are almost embarrassed of having several kids. It's they. I mean, my family. You ought to see the looks we get sometimes. We go out in public with five kids. I mean, they just look at us like, what in the world? Are you crazy? Five kids? And it's like you can see them just kind of counting, you know, just, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. And, uh, today, I mean, people look at it almost as a curse. And many, more and more people are kind of, uh, falling into that category. Just, they, they don't want that. They just want, you know, one, maybe two kids always thinking about, you know, the finances and, Things like that, and it's it's understandable. But you know, I want I want to make a difference in the world. I want to do something for God, and I believe it helps greatly if you have a family and you have a big family that you can teach to do those things. Because you know what? While I'm like anybody else, you know, sometimes I'll be out in the store and I'll see just kids, you know, terrorizing the place and just out of control. And I like to talk, you know, I'll talk and complain about how our culture and our generation is just going to the dogs. And you know, and you see that going on. But at the same time, you know, I like. I think it's important that I, you know, 
show it, you know, try to show people how it's done. That I do it myself. That I don't just talk about it. That I do it. That I try to raise my kids in the right way. Just try to try to set an example. I mean, it, it breaks my heart sometimes. I'll be in the stores and you'll see these kids and, and the parents just have no idea what to do. Just no clue. My kid's crying. What do I do? What am I supposed to do? I'm going to have to call the doctor and buy some more medication for him or something. And that's, I mean, that's the attitude that people have these days. Not understanding that children are a blessing. The Bible says that. Like arrows in the hand of a mighty man. It says you'll speak with the enemies in the gate. We talked about this recently. This could be talking about the gate being the place where cases are heard concerning legal matters and a man who has many well-trained children is going to be respected and someone people will listen to. I mean, imagine if you know I'm trying to pastor. The Bible talks about a requirement for the bishop. He needs to have his children in subjection with all gravity. But imagine when my kids get a little bit older. You know, Right now, it's pretty easy to keep them in line. But someday, they're going to be teenagers. And if they're constantly in the newspaper, you know, hearing about, you know, some mugging, or I was just reading about the gangs' problems they're having in Sterling yesterday in the paper, you know, man, you know, they named the gangs, you know, one of the gangs, McMurtry Gang, you know, Tommy and Tommy and Jason just wreaking havoc in the city, spraying graffiti on the walls, and then, you know, and then I put an ad in there for our church, you know, come here, Liberty Baptist Church pastor Tom McMurtry. Oh, you mean that guy that's raised? Those two reprobates that are terrorizing the town? That's not going to help a whole lot, is it? And then I dare to come and try to maybe preach what the Bible says about how to raise children. Do you think anybody is going to want to listen to me? Absolutely not. It wouldn't make, it wouldn't make a bit of sense. But people are going to listen to somebody that has children that have grown up and that have done right. And um, just the other day, we, you know, we were eating in a restaurant. It was pretty funny. You know, our kids, they were sitting there being pretty good. And uh, they're usually very good in restaurants, and it didn't just—it didn't just happen. Okay, <laughs> we've we've been the people with the bad kids uh, in the restaurant before. You know, we we learned how to deal with it, and we overcame it. But uh, there was a lady sitting there, and she's her kids are just kind of out of control, just uh, misbehaving. And Allie's sitting; she's sitting there, and she just looks at that lady and she said, "She's being bad." <laughs> And the lady, the lady was so embarrassed, and she's like, "Look at the other." She's talking. I was like, "Look at these other kids. They're sitting there being good, you know." And there's five of them. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, but people are more likely to listen to somebody who's successful in that area. And you know, we claim to be Bible believers, and we are Bible believers. The Bible does tell us how to raise children. It does tell us how to live, and we have got to set the example in these areas. And then, if we do, people will be more likely. To listen to us, we need it's up to us to be telling people how to have the right kind of marriage. But if our marriages are falling apart, if my neighbors they hear me and my wife going at it every other night, and they they hear the yelling and the screaming, and she's showing up at church with a black eye or something, you think people are going to want to listen to marriage advice from me? Absolutely not. I will have no power at all, and even and I can even tell them what the Bible says. But if I'm not living it, I'm completely useless. I can I can read verses about child rearing, and it's still the Bible. It's still the truth. But if my children are out of control, it's it's not it's not going to work. Or if I have no children, it's gonna, I'm going to have a tougher time getting that message across. Well, you know, you're going to change your tune once you have kids. We were talking about that this afternoon. Everybody's an expert. You know, I was an expert parent before I had kids. 
<laughs> and I, you know, you, you you figure it out. You find out you don't know what you're talking about. But speaking with the enemies in the gate, it could also be talking about the place where negotiations would take place before a battle. And a man with a large family is going to be feared a lot more than a man with a small family. Me, by myself, I'm not really that intimidating. If I've got a whole bunch of boys standing behind me, those are all your kids. Well, you know, you can assume if it's that man's sons, they're probably going to listen to him. They're probably going to fight for him. They're probably going to fight to the death for their father. And they're going to think, well, you know, maybe I better take this guy serious. Maybe, maybe we better back off. But if it's me by myself, I don't have a whole lot of power. And the, and the same thing is true if I can teach the things of God to my children and pass those things on, people are going to be even more likely to listen. If I'm saying it and then my children, when they grow up, when they no longer have to listen to me anymore, when they no longer have to do the things I'm told, if they continue doing those things, people are going to see that and say, you know what, maybe there's something to it. His children are grown up. They don't have to listen to him anymore. They don't have to be living that way. They don't have to go to church anymore, but they're still doing it. I think every parent in the world, even lost people, there's things that they want to teach their children and they, they things that they want to pass on. But many times it's difficult. Everything they try to teach them, it seems like their children, they reject it and they go away from it. And that's why it's so important that we get our children and get them involved. Otherwise, or uh, when we do that, it gives us greater power to be able to spread the truth. But a man with well trained children is going to be respected unlike a man with poorly trained children. So why does the Bible but the, so we've given some examples or one example in the Bible of God comparing children to arrows. Why would he do that? Well, one of the reasons I believe in Psalms chapter 127, verse four. I'll read a passage to you there, Psalms 127, verse four. I can find it. It says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of his youth. Arrows are meant to be seen. We talked about that that quiver full of them. You'll want the people to see your arrows. You want the people to see what you have. Uh, in America we have sometimes they'll have these um, you know, air shows and things. A lot of times with the military where they'll show their planes flying around and all the maneuvers that they can do. And I think a lot of the reason that they do that is they like to show America and they like to show the world, hey, look what we can do. Hey, look at all, look at our airplanes. Look what they're capable of. You know, look at our, look at our guns. Look at our bombs. I mean, we can do some serious damage if we want to. I think they, I think our country kind of wants people to know the kind of firepower we have. And those warriors, and they wanted people to see their weapons. Hey, come check out my sword. Look at this. I don't think you want me swinging this thing at you. Hey, look at my arrows. I've got a bunch of them. And I know how to use them. And it was, it was pretty intimidating. And arrows, they're meant to be seen. And the world needs to see an example of good parenting. Churches need to see an example of good parenting. We've seen that, we've seen that here before. We, there's sometimes the kids, they come here maybe for the first time and they're not used to sitting in church. We need to be patient with those folks and the kids are just out of control. And, you know, you want to get up and kind of go, you know, grab them and hang them up by their, 
you know, seat of their pants somewhere and make them stay there. You want to do that. But you know, the truth is, many parents today, they're not being taught how to raise their kids. What the system is telling them to do does not work. And if they come here and they see several children behaving themselves, listening in church, that's going to make an impression. Think, man, I wonder what... They must be doing something right there. Look at how well-behaved those kids are. We need to set an example of that. It's so important that people see that. Uh, you know, just good parenting. And not, and not just with kids. I mean, in relationships and everything. But we ought to be able to send our kids into the world and then glorify God. I'm thankful that we have some good examples here in our church of, some, of young people that have good testimonies in the public schools. They have, I mean, they, the world needs to see that. I mean, they need to see somebody that's different. They're not gonna, so they're not gonna, their teachers aren't gonna show that example to them. They're not gonna teach that stuff. It's up to God's people. But our children, they ought to be able to handle a secular job. It's sad when you see kids that grow up in a Christian home, they go get a job somewhere, and within a month, they've given up everything they were taught. And the truth is, if that happens, they probably weren't trained the best. People like to blame the uh, you know they like to blame the job. Well, it was those you know rotten reprobates that he worked with. Hey, listen, if he was really trained the way he was supposed to be, I think he could have handled it. A lot of people have. Uh, sometimes they'll blame. You know, many times kids they'll go to Bible college and get in trouble, and they like to blame the college for it. I'm sorry, that sweet little angel that got turned into a devil at Bible college was never a sweet little angel. They were a devil the whole time. They just pulled the wool over your eyes. We ought to be able to do that. They ought to be uncompromising in public. It's you know, it's easy to act one way in church when you're surrounded by your parents, when you're surrounded by people that know you. I mean, kids, they grow up in church, they know how to talk, they know how to act, they know what to do, they they know it all. But then they go somewhere else and it's completely different. And boy, when that that's sad when that happens. We need those good examples. It's so important. And there are many groups today teaching parents that, hey, keep your kids out of the youth group, keep them out of the Christian school. They're going to corrupt your innocent, godly little angels. But the truth is, if they really were godly, they would be the ones making a difference. They would be the ones going... We've, we've got to have that every... When I was a youth director... That's what I looked for. You know, somebody that would be a leader, somebody that would motivate the other teenagers to do right. There's always going to be those bad ones in there motivating everybody else to do wrong. There's always going to be those bad kids in the church. There's going to be those bad kids in the Christian school that are just fakes and phonies. And I want I want my kids to be the ones that are leading in the other direction. We've got to have those, and too many times we've hid them. We've got them in hiding. I know a lot of people like that. That they just they, you have home church people that are out there that are afraid of somebody corrupting their kids, hiding kids. Like, hey, if your kids are that great, if your kids are that godly, the world needs to see them. But the world needs that example. If you are that great a parent, please get in the house of God. Show everybody else in the church how it's done. If you if you know that much, if you've done that good of a job, let somebody see it as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. Let somebody see your kids. Take your kids out in public. Let the world see them behave in you know how they behave in public. Do those kind of things. The world needs 
to see them. We just we need to just be honest and admit that it's not safe for our children to go anywhere because they are weak. Because they are not godly. If we would just accept that, we might start doing some of the things necessary to get them right. Many parents, a lot of times, just they don't want to deal with it. They want to put everything on. I just don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to have that talk with my child. It's just going to turn into a battle. It's going to turn into a fight. You need to have those battles sometimes. You need to have that fight. You need to get it over with. You need to get it right. You can't hide them forever. Eventually, it's going to surface. You're going to, you're going to see it. Get them out there. Let people see them. And show the world how to be the right kind of parent and what a godly child or a godly family is. My Bible still says, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. If you are that godly, if your children are that godly, okay, then they're going to be fine in the house of God. They're going to be fine working a job. They'll be okay. If not, if you don't think they can handle it, just admit it's because they're not godly. Admit that they're not a precious little angel and see if you can pray the devil out of them. Because... That's the case. That's how it is. But also another reason I think God compares children to arrows is that arrows are supposed to be straight and polished. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1 says, Listen, O isles, unto me. Hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother, hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, and in the shadow of his hand he hath hid me, and made me a polished shaft in his quiver. He hath hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for naught. And in vain yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Isaiah, he had a purpose from the womb that God had for him. He said he has made me a polished shaft. With arrows, you know, these days you go to Walmart, you buy them, you know, they're made out of you know, metal and everything. They're all straight and ready to go. But back then, it was a lot more work to get a good straight arrow. If you ever shoot a bent or crooked arrow, it doesn't fly real good. I remember I used to have a couple of arrows that I had. I only had like three arrows, and I had this recurve bow I played with all the time when I was a kid. And I had this one arrow that was slightly bent. And I got, I was so used to shooting that arrow, I could still hit the target pretty good and it kind of, it kind of did a little dip. But I, I knew with that arrow, okay, I gotta shoot a little high and a little to the right. And it took a lot of practice, but I was able to do it. But it was a whole, it's a whole lot better when you have one that is just good and straight and polished. One that's got all the other junk stripped off of it. Of that polished shaft, that's what he's talking about here. And, you know, that little baby that comes into the world. Alright, we've got a little baby in the nursery, just a cute little thing. Alright? That baby, it has everything it needs to grow and become whatever God has planned. God's got a plan for that little baby. Alright? For these kids that are in here, God has a plan for them. God has given them everything they need to be whatever God is planning for them. And as parents, we have a responsibility to keep them clean and pure and to be ready to be used for God. Okay? Many times, we look at people and think, man, you know, there's no way. You know, there, or there's so, or they, we look at ourselves and they're like, you know, there's so much baggage, there's so much 
junk in my life. I can never do that. And understand those sins and things, it wasn't God's intent. And sometimes we can get ourselves, we can make some mistakes that do some irreversible damage that maybe will disqualify us from certain things. But our children, that's not the case. Alright, they're still young. They're still innocent. They've got their whole future ahead of them. And we've got it. It's our responsibility to do whatever we have to do to keep them clean and pure for God. I think about Joseph and Mary. Think about the responsibility that was on them. Because remember, Jesus, he had to, in order to fulfill the law, he had to keep every bit of it. Even from the time that he was a little baby. Some of that, the responsibility was really on his parents, wasn't it? And had they decided, you know what? We're going to wait to the ninth day to have him circumcised or something like that. He couldn't have been the Messiah. He had to keep every bit of the law. And they did all the things that they were supposed to do. He was, they had a home where he wasn't going to be sinning, even accidentally. You think about some kids, the homes that they grow up in, the stuff that they see on the television that their parents watch. The, the, sin, the sin that they hear from the language that goes on in the house by their parents. And we wonder why these kids turn out to be so crooked and turn out to be so rotten with what they're growing up in. And as parents, it's our responsibility to try to keep them clean and pure, to try to keep them innocent. Our world today says you know, we need to educate our kids in certain things at younger ages. That's absolutely foolish. There's some things that kids just don't need to know about. They don't even need to hear about. We need to keep them innocent. And it's tough because we live in a dirty world. We live in a perverted, corrupted world. But we've got to do what we can to keep them safe. I remember, you know, I was privileged to grow up in a preacher's home. And I grew up, you know, in a very strict environment. But I remember when I was just a kid, I remember the first time I saw a church member smoke. First time, I couldn't believe it. I mean,. I'd heard rumors. I remember I heard some rumors that this person smoked, and I was like, "No." He goes to Lighthouse Baptist Church. Dad preaches against smoking all the time. He's not going to smoke. And I remember, sure enough, one day we were at the church doing some projects and things, and some of the kids like, "Hey, they're out there smoking." I was like, "Ah." Well. So we went and we hid out in this one spot. We're kind of watching. All of a sudden, it comes walking around the corner and takes a big, you know. Puff and kind of throws it away and saw the smoke come out of his mouth. I saw it and I was like, You've got to be kidding me. This person smoked? I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was completely shocked by it. I mean, they, they go to Lighthouse Baptist Church, they can't smoke. Uh, I remember the first time I heard a church member cuss. I didn't know Baptist cussed. What? I mean, I, I, it blew my mind. And I was. I think I was a teenager before I ever heard a Baptist cuss. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, the first time I seen some people dress certain ways in public, it, it blew my mind. I thought, and listen, I'm not saying that my parents had taught me to be critical or judgmental, but another thing that was always puzzling to me was some of the things I saw their children do too. And you know, now looking back, I kind of see why their kids were the way they were. If that's what they grew up in in their homes, you know, sometimes my, they would look at me weird for some of the things that I didn't know about. You know, everybody's talking about you know the latest movie or whatever. I, I, yeah, I haven't seen that. You know, I was the only one that you know didn't do whatever. And 
I remember just seeing some of the things that they would do and some of the choices that they made. And then after you know, I got older and understood more things, I understood why they went that direction. I understood why they struggled with some of those things. And it's a shame because those parents, they were supposed to protect them from that. They were supposed to keep them clean and pure. When I worked in the detention home ministry in Ottawa, it blew my mind how many kids who were struggling with drugs, young teenagers, and a lot of them got started doing drugs with their parents. With their parents. I just I, I was floored. I just I couldn't believe it. But we live in a dirty world, and if our children are going to remain clean and polished, not only do we need to keep on work on keeping the bad out, but we need to work on the polishing. We need we need to train them. Proverbs twenty two six. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We live in a have a generation and a culture today that's just as lazy as all get out. I mean, just lazy, sorry, pathetic, dishonest, worthless. It's good to train your children to work hard, to be responsible. In training, it's more than just giving orders. You've got to you have to help them to practice. You know, the my kids, they um, my boys, they help me on some of my mowing jobs and things. And you know, they haven't always done things exactly right the first time. But you know, you got to train them and teach them how to do better. And sometimes you have to even take some extra time. There's been jobs that I've done before that have taken me a little longer because I was trying to train them how to do it. I was trying to teach them how to do it. But ultimately, what it led to is a lot of other jobs going a lot quicker. Because now they know how to do it. Now they're prepared. They know what to do. I mean, some parents, they, I mean, they're just so much thinking about that moment so much. I mean, they literally are feeding their kids like five years old. Because you know what? When your kids start learning to eat themselves, they make a pretty good mess, don't they? I don't want to deal with that mess. I mean, they just spoon feed these kids their whole life. And it's, it's sad, but we need training. It's more than just giving orders. When someone before somebody goes to battle with their bow and arrow, they're going to take some practice shots. All right, it's a good idea. Get a bow and arrow before you go hunting with it, or you know we don't really go to war with bow and arrows anymore. You take a few practice shots, and get one of the ways we do that: give your child some responsibility, see how they handle it. All right, let's you know, I wouldn't recommend just one day all of a sudden your kid that's been sitting around doing nothing but watching TV and playing video games for 16 years, all of a sudden say, alright, go get a job. Okay, He's probably not going to do very good. He's been so comfortable at home playing the video games all those years, uh, he's not going to do real well when he finally gets out there. You need to pr- take some practice shots first. Give him some responsibilities around the house. Give him some chores to do. Give him some jobs. At first, make him little. You know, don't go tell your five-year-old kid to... You know, mow a two-acre lawn with a push mower. All right, okay. You know, we've got one of those now. <laughs> you know, don't do that. Give them a little bit to do. When my kids first started mowing with a push mower, I did. I just kind of gave them sections. I said, "Here, mow this section, just an easy section," and then slowly added to it. I'm taking some practice shots with them. You watch how they work. You know, sometimes I've noticed they'll take shortcuts and be kind of lazy or sloppy about things. And then that's where the training comes in. You have to step in and say, "Hey, uh, you need to do a little better on this. You need to, you know, work a little hard." You know, Jason, uh, he's always kind of been the playful one and just kind of the goof off and things. And 
you know, that's normal. It's, it's being a boy, but you know, he's one I've had. To, uh, you know, I got to keep an eye on him a little bit sometimes, and I, I've had to do some training there. And he's he's getting a lot better, and he's doing good. I think he's going to be fine when he gets older. But you've got to take those practice shots. Uh, you got to you got to test them a little bit. You know, see how give them different freedoms and things, and see how they handle it. One of these days, it's not. I uh, still got four or five years. Thankfully, they're going to get a driver's license. You know, I wouldn't recommend the day your kid gets a driver's lesson license, let them do a cross country trip. Okay, that's probably not going to be good. First, you know, give them some. You know, let them go. You know, run some errands for you. Take them out driving first. I mean, give them some little things to do and see how they handle it. If they're if they're having wrecks, driving around the block. I mean, if they're getting speeding tickets, and those that you know those first days, probably wouldn't, wouldn't shouldn't let them go on any cross country trip. <laughs> it's probably a bad idea. You know, just constantly add to it. Take those practice shots. And give them that responsibility. Observe how they handle the challenges, and then teach them how to overcome it. You know, kids. I, you know, my boys when they've helped me with different projects and things. Sometimes, like every five seconds, you know, Dad, I ran into this problem. What now? What do I do? You know, and it's it's annoying. But show them how to fix that problem. Show them how to overcome that. And the same thing's going to happen in life. They're going to have problems. They're going to have difficulties. They're going to be facing different things. And you've got to see how they handle it. Observe. My dad, he tells a story about when I was a kid all the time. I wanted to go to the candy store. It was just a couple blocks from our house. I was only like six or seven years old. And I wanted to go. I felt like I'd go by myself. I had a little bit of money. I wanted to buy some candy. And so one day he told me, he's like, all right, fine, you can go. And I remember I got to go to the store by myself, and he followed me the whole way there. I didn't know it, but uh, he, he followed me. I remember when I was 17... It was my last year to be able to go to youth camp. And my, Arkansas, uh, my uncle in Arkansas was having a youth camp and me and my friends wanted to go. But it was all the way in Arkansas. I'm like, I've got a car. I've got a driver's license. I don't see why I can't go. I don't see why we can't go. We're responsible. We were wanting to go to youth camp. That's spiritual. That's a good thing. We had zero bad intentions. And so, man, we we planned it all out. There's three of us. We were going to go, and it was going to be great. We had zero bad intentions. I'm I'm, I'm not lying. And I remember I went and asked my dad. I'm all excited. He's like, Dad, this is my last year to be able to go to youth camp. Can I? Can me and my friends? Can we go to Arkansas? I, I'll drive. I'll pay for all the gas and everything. I'm paying for everything. Absolutely not. Why not? I've got a driver's license. Because when I was a kid, this is what I would have done if I'd have been, went on a trip that long with my teenagers. Blah blah blah. You know, he went on. He went into that whole thing. I'm like, Dad, we haven't even thought of that. We're wanting to go to youth camp. That's spiritual. That's good. You know. And he's like, No, no, you can't do it. And I remember, finally, he said, Fine, you can go, and you can drive, but I'm also going to take your sisters, and we're going to follow you the whole way there. And so we got to drive that whole way there with Dad driving right behind me in the van. <laughs> Just it kind of killed the adventure of it all. But that, hey, and you know what? Until he never really let me go on any long trips until I was out of the house. And uh, I'm not even going to go into that story. But I'm I was surprised he didn't follow us to Niagara Falls on our honeymoon because he was nervous about us driving all the way to Canada. And uh, you know he he wanted he wanted updates and things and. 
I won't even go into that. But you know what? He was he kind of was taking a little practice shot there in Arkansas. And let me tell you something. Any kid who's going on a long trip with his dad driving behind him is going to be okay. I mean, it's, I don't know that's the best practice shot in the world. And, and you know what? I don't know that I would let my kids do it either. <laughs> I don't know that I would let them either, so I probably shouldn't say too much because that day is probably going to be coming where they're asking me those things. But you know, you need you need to give them some chances to do things and watch how they do it. You need to train them. You've got to be consistent. And there are many people today who they can't even train their kids to do what they've trained their dogs to do. It's amazing. I mean, people they will I'll see people spank their dogs. I'll see people yell at their dogs. I'll see them take time in teaching their dogs to sit, and they can't even get their kids to sit. And then it's like, they got ADD. I mean, what can I say? We can't help it. It's like, you really think your dog's got more potential than that kid? I don't know. I don't know about that. So I'm not. And but that's that's our society today. It, go ahead, expect some things from your kids. Train them. Arrows they need to be used. He said in Jeremiah fifty fourteen. He said, "Put yourselves array against Babylon round about." All ye that bend the bow, shoot at her. Spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Someday you're going to have to put the arrow on the string of the bow, pull back, and let it go. Let it go. And, you know, Brother Manette, you're you're getting close to that. You're just about ready to let a couple of arrows go. You know, and that's that'd be tough. It's especially an arrow that you've worked really hard on. You know, I imagine them warriors, they probably had certain arrows too because it was a lot more work for them that they used for some of the more long-range shots. Ones that they wanted to make... That, I mean, they, it took a lot of work. It was their best arrow that they had. And But you know what? When the battle time came, they had to use it. They had to let it go. And man, that, I know that's going to be a tough thing. I'll have to face that someday. I'm going to have to pull back and I'm going to have to... Just kind of let go, and you know they they can't be your baby forever. You know, Allie, she's she's our fifth one, and we she's three now, but we you know we still refer to her as the baby all the time. She even refers to herself as the baby. I'll probably call her the baby, you know, until she's you know 18 years old, and someday you're gonna have to even let go. They can't be your baby forever. You know, eventually they're gonna they're gonna grow up. You are gonna let them go, and the truth is. A polished arrow, it's going to hit the target that you're aiming at. And that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Where are we aiming our children? Are we aiming them towards the things of the world? Is that what we've got them focused on? Are we aiming them at the things of God? Are we just blindly aiming at, hey, I just want them out of the house. <laughs> that's why, hey, just two more years and they're gone. I don't know. Not my problem anymore. Is that you really just going to blindly let them go like that? I don't know. Mine, mine are a little too precious. I understand I've got to let them go, but one of these days they will. And if I can keep them clean, if I can keep them polished, they'll hit that target I'm aiming at. If I don't raise them right, they're going to be all bent and crooked and I can shoot and let them go, but who knows where they're going to land. Who knows what's going to happen. Our children, they're the most precious things that we have they're wonderful. They're a gift from God. They're a heritage of the Lord. And we need, we need some good, godly 
examples. We need them going off and doing something for the Lord, making a difference. We just we haven't got there's not enough out there these days. And God's given us some here. I'm thankful for the children that we have in this church. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does in their lives. But we've got to always have that mindset. They're arrows that eventually we're going to let go. They're going to hit what we what we're aiming at. So let's all stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat>